excited. I was a little bit nervous. If anybody has preached the gospel before, it's a little difficult when you study and when you prepare. And then at the very last minute, God decides to change what he wants you to say. And it doesn't mean that you were off, but sometimes God wants you to meet the people right where they are. Amen. But the reason why I was nervous is because normally, you know, I got a big mouth. I'm a little animated. And so I have words, you know, that that kind of flow like that. And I don't know if I'm going to be as humorous this morning um, as you may be thinking. You know, you might have nudged somebody and say, watch this because she real loud. She going to do that. But the Lord is sending a sobering word in the house today. And what was so encouraging, you know, I don't know about you, but I love my pastors. Anybody love their pastors? And so this morning on our way here, a car flipped over on the Austin uh, ramp. And I don't like being late. You know, every married couple knows that each one of us are on different time zones. Amen. And sometimes he's ready and I'm not. And sometimes I'm ready and he's not. And this morning we was just, we had a flow. We was on, Sister Chapman, we was on point. And we get about three-fourths of the way before you get to Austin, and traffic stops. And I was like, no. I said, in a minute, Pastor Clyde going to be calling my phone because we should be at church. And sure enough, Pastor Clyde called. <laughs> Amen. We thank God for PC. <laughs> and um, it worked out. Somebody say it worked out. it worked out. But when we got in the back, Pastor came in to see our face, make sure we was in place. Amen. And he looked and he began to talk about what happened at first service because we weren't here. I heard you told up. I heard that the Lord used you. And so I hope that I can, you know, compliment what has already been done. But he began to talk about the fact that the woman of God taught and she, uh, uh, she shared around the topic of prayer. And anybody that knows me knows that aside from the prophetic and aside from the ability to lead people and influence them, prayer is a mantle that's on my life. And so I was like, Daddy God, well, how do you want me to tie prayer to the series that we're in? Because right now we're talking about faith. And he said, well, Monique, I'm going to walk you through some scriptures and I'm going to help you understand that prayer is directly connected to faith. And so he said, this is your topic this morning. Somebody repeat after me. No more more lazy faith. faith. Say it again. No more more lazy lazy faith. For the preachers in the room, that was for the media ministry, so they have something to, you know, print on on the uh, CD. But for the preachers in the room, my subtitle is, Faith Requires Action. And what's crazy, and I've been in this place, and sometimes I still visit there, it doesn't matter how seasoned you are, or if you're just beginning in this walk of faith, um, but you ask the question, What's wrong with my faith? Why is it not working? I keep coming to church. I keep hearing the word. I believe to the best of my ability, I'm doing exactly what God has commissioned, everything that the pastor said, but I still don't see anything happening. Has that happened to anybody? And so today I want to dismantle this thing called lazy faith. Something is required. The first thing I want to share with you, and you can put on your notes, is that everything has a strategy. Say that everything Everything. has a strategy. I'm going to ask you to say a lot of things today, so I'm going to just ask that you have a cooperative spirit. Because when you repeat it, it's going to stay in there. Amen? And so I'm at Planet Fitness with Pastor Chris yesterday, and we working now. You know, getting our work out (laughs) now. And, um, you know, you can't carry the gospel all fat and tired. This is work. 
And there's some other things I'm trying to do in my life where I need to just get it together. Amen. Anybody need to get it together? And so we were at Planet Fitness getting it together. And I noticed that in between our conversation, when I was going over the notes for today in my head, I had to, I kept getting distracted. And the reason why I was distracted is because the strategy of Planet Fitness is to line up 20 monitors throughout their gyms so that everybody has something to watch while they work out. And I I just glanced across and there's a 1 to 10 for that side of the gym and a 1 to 10 monitor from this side of the gym. But somebody said there's no gaps. Okay, and you might get that when you get home, but every strategy, everything has a strategy and there's no gaps. And so no matter where you look up straight across, something was going on. And it was, even though the, um, they have like little codes that you use to hook up to the machine. So whatever channel you decide to watch, you can actually hear. And the monitors are silent if you don't have on headphones. Stay with me. But even though I could not hear them audibly, the visual noise was a distraction. And the only way I could rehearse my notes for today was to close my eyes. And so I want you to understand that at Planet Fitness, children are not allowed, but they play cartoons on at least two of the TVs. And so, you know, I'm like my pastor, you know, having the spiritual mind that I have, you know what I'm saying? I get revelation out of everything. And so I was like, I wonder why, you know, I tap Pastor Chris, I say, you, you see they playing cartoons, kids don't, they can't even come in here. But I said, Daddy, God, talk to me. Why? What's going on up here? Because on one station there was cartoons and Pastor Chris said, well, maybe they play cartoons to remind you of children so that you understand your goals for being fit. You understand and you're reminded why you're even here. And then some adults like cartoons, so maybe they play in the cartoons just to relax them and put them at ease so they can actually do what they came to do. But on another channel, there was the reality show, you know, entertainment, foolishness called Naked and Afraid. And Naked and Afraid is this reality show where people get naked and they get dropped off on this remote island destination and they have to survive in order to get paid money. Foolishness. So for some people it's entertainment, but for other people, watch this, there was a frequency of lust being pushed, an agenda of lust being pushed because even though they got these little blurred circles on the screen, I see your behind. You are butt naked on the TV. And so then there's another channel that got, you know, the neutral bullet against the ninja and they talking about how you need to eat healthy and on another channel there's glamour and there's videos and things to remind you that you need to keep working out so you can look like the people on the screen. Amen. Well, God is the same way. We don't pay attention to the monitors of heaven the way we do the monitors of Planet Fitness, but there are monitors. There are frequencies. There are plans and strategies and patterns that we are supposed to be using from the word of God in order to get results from our measure of faith that we've been given. Amen? Stay with me. In part one, Pastor Reggie asked us a question. Actually, what he did is he highlighted a question that we ask. He says, some of you ask, why doesn't my faith work? Well, some of us come up with answers and we contributed to um, a sin in our lives. Every time something go wrong, we think somebody did something wrong. That's just how the mind works. But I want you to know um, that that could be right because the Bible does say, be ye holy for I am holy and that only the righteous can command God. You know, when you living up right, you do see more results than sinners. Amen. 
Some people attribute it to the devil, but we have authority over the devil and the devil can't do nothing that God don't allow. So I'm thinking, no, that's probably not it. Some of us feel that we haven't gotten results of our faith because God has a respecter of person. But the Bible clearly says he has no respecter of person. So why isn't your faith working? What's happening that's stalling your results? Well, when Pastor Reggie answered the question that he highlighted, he said the reason why some of us uh, don't get results is because we allow frequencies of distraction, somebody say distraction, in our eye gates and our ear gates. We focus on everything but the word of God. We focus on everything but the instructions of God. We focus on everything but the report of the Lord. Another answer that I want to submit Um, First of all, I want to say that the word must be the final authority in your life. You can't go checking behind God when he tells you what you need to do. You don't need to validate or research and find out if the instruction of God is good enough. That is the final instruction. Amen. So what I want to submit today, let's go to Hebrews 11 and 6. We're in the middle of a faith series, but we're talking about faith that requires action. Are we there? Hebrews 11 and 6. The Bible says, and I'm going to go ahead, in this scripture we find that without faith, and what is faith? The capacity to believe in and rely on the word of God, it is impossible to please him. That means there's nothing you can do for God, with God, around God, uh, regarding God, uh, that's going to work and satisfy him or be acceptable, lest you do it in faith. Lest you have that capacity to believe. Those that come to him, the Bible says, should and must believe that he is. So even James reminds us, don't come to God double-minded. Don't come to God wavering. Don't come to God, ah, kind of thinking about it. You need to be sure and know that he is God and he is capable. The third thing that this one verse says is that he is a what? I'm going to need you to say it a little louder than that. He is a of them that say it again. He is a of them that what do you think diligently seek them mean? Diligently seeking God is a lifestyle of prayer. So he said I need you to have belief otherwise it is impossible for me to be pleased and communicate and release and work it out and make it happen. Then I need you to remember that I am the I am. That I will do exactly what I've said concerning you. And then finally, I need you to have a prayer life. Faith requires action. Have you ever went to a retailer and decided that you were going to buy your child a toy? You know, they have all these expensive toys nowadays. You know, we used to go, I used to get toys from Cook Brothers and Zare and Venture. You know, them Cook Brother dolls where the legs come off before you get home. But I was happy with those dolls. And now they have toys and every single toy is like a gadget. They do something special. They use the bathroom on themselves. They talk to you and call you mommy. They smile and they lift their arms on their own. And for the adults, some of us are just gadget people and we like devices. Amen. 
And what we do is we walk into the retailer, we pick up the package, we're all excited. The kids are all excited. We ask the associate questions about the toys and the devices. And then we finish shopping, get to the checkout and go home. But what happens is, thank you Holy Ghost, is that we forget to pay attention to the packaging. Because on the packaging, the fine print, the word, the fine print says batteries required sold separately. So what happens is you get home and you all excited about this experience you're about to have with this gadget. And even though there's nothing wrong with it, you fail to read and pay attention to get the soul separately. And that's how we do. We come to church and Pastor Reggie is up here sweating under these can lights. I want y'all to know these can lights is hot. The TV lights are hot. Amen. And when you like us, you know, I sweat when you look at me. It's real irritating, but you can look at me too hard. And I mess up my makeup and mess up my clothes. But we up here doing the will of the Lord and giving you the instructions of God. But you fail. There is a responsibility to go back and to study what the preacher has given you that you get a full understanding and define print. So you come into church and you, you come in and you come a couple of weeks of the series and you like, you know, what you think about this series, Pastor Teaching? I don't know about all this faith stuff. You know, he the preacher, you know, and they telling us how they built their house, you know. They got this real nice church, you know, and she always look real nice, you know. Did you see his shoes today, you know? Why ain't nothing happening for the people that belong to his church, you know? Well, the difference between the man that's preaching the gospel and the people and the sheep that are receiving is whether you're paying attention or not. It's whether you're responsible enough to go home and search the scriptures on your own. Because you would understand then that faith without work is dead. All right, I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to get loud. Hallelujah. Let me move to my next point. Because I only got 14 minutes. It says, I want to ask you this question. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before I move from the retailer, and I'm going to just throw this in there. Ain't nobody hiding nothing from you. When you buy a device at the store, the retailers are just as smart and Christ-like as Christ is because they put your batteries at the checkout. So it ain't my fault that what you need is right next to you and you still go home without it. Come on, sit down, sit down, sit down. How many parents do I have in here? Wave your hand. How many parents have experienced their children walking up and wanting something from them or wanting something that they can provide, wanting something that's in their vicinity? And what they do is they walk up to you and they just stare. And sometimes they don't just look at you, but they look at what they want and then they look at you. And they look at what they want and then they look at you. And it creates a frustration. It immediately makes parents irritated. And what happens is you start saying stuff like, use your words. What you want? Why you standing here looking at my face like that? My mama 
mama used to say it like this, if you can't ask for it, you can't have it. Well, how do you think God feels when you come to first and third corporate prayer, when you come to corporate prayer before service, when you come to service and just stop by and just look around? You know you want something. You know you need something. But you need to ask for it. Come on, we just talking about faith. God got real irritated with the disciples. He had just come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. He had just, you know, showed the disciples some things. He's trying to encourage them on another level, right? And so they get back to Galilee and they get off the boat. They had a lot of cruises back then. They get off the boat. And as soon as they get off the boat, a man walks up and he says, Jesus, I need to talk to you. I got a lunatic son. He keep throwing himself in the fire and then he throw himself in the water. You know that's a demon. How you going to want to burn up and then be put out and extinguished at the same time? That's foolishness. But that's what the devil do to us. He makes us confused and foolish. And so he said, I need you to help my son before he burn up completely or before he drown. And I asked your disciples to help me, but they could not. He said, so now what do I do? He said, what, why is this? Why can't they help me? Aren't they on your crew? You know, right. elders and ministers and people that pass the call on and depend on. How come we can't do what he do? How come we can't do what she do? How come you sitting there telling me, well, I can't pray like Pastor London. Did you see what she did last Saturday? Because she clowned in prayer on the last day. But it's not about that. God has given us everything that we need in order to get the job done. But he got frustrated like you do when your kid come look at you. He said, how long do I have to be bothered with this faithless generation and they are perverse? What he was saying is, I can't have you on my team as a disciple and you don't believe enough in order to get this boy delivered. Bring me that boy. And immediately, straightway, suddenly, he commanded the devil to go and he left. There were results when he came on the scene. So then you go down a couple of verses and I love my baby. We just in sync. Amen. Glory to God. Because you can find this story in Matthew 17. Isn't that where he was? (laughs) Hallelujah. And you go down a couple of verses and it says... One of the disciples questioned Jesus. He said, God, you know, he just honestly asking. You ever just not know and your mama or your leader or your mentor just turn around and give you a look like, really? You still don't know how to do that? Let's go there. Go to Matthew. Because I want you to see it. It's not enough for me just to say it. Because we get ready to learn something. And I love when you preach for years and you preach something wrong. And then you study and the Holy Spirit corrects you. That's what he's about to do. He's going to do y'all like he did me. Watch this. Just wait for it. <clears throat> I want you to go to Matthew 17. And we're going to go to verse 19. And, they, and then came the disciples to Jesus apart. And said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto him, because your unbelief, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, 
Ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence ye yonder. Come on, this is the Dex King James, Lord have mercy. It says, and it shall be removed and nothing shall be impossible to you. So what he said to his disciples is if you would just have, it reads if they would just have a mustard seed of faith. But when you study it out, pastor has been telling us for weeks on end that you got way more faith than a mustard seed. Amen. He has dealt us all the measure. That, look at y'all. <laughs> Say it again. The measure of faith. So I don't need you to break your faith down to a smaller dimension. What I want you to understand, I was like, Holy Ghost, you are bad. He said in the Dex commentary, what I want you to do is take the measure of faith that you've been given and refuse to doubt at the size of a mustard seed. Selah, we're not measuring your faith right now. He said, I need you to believe that when you ask for something, when you're getting ready to do something, that nothing is impossible to you as long as you don't even mix a mustard seed of doubt with the faith that I've already given you. Some of them still not getting that. It's not about your mustard seed of faith. It's about your mustard seed of doubt. I need you to stop doubting even the size of a mustard seed so you can see results. Okay. The bottom line was they didn't have enough faith. They didn't have enough belief. They did not. They, they were mixing mustard seeds of doubt. You know, we'd be preaching and we'd be like, if you just have a measure of faith, if it's just the size of a mustard seed. I don't need you to have a mustard seed of faith because you have the measure of faith. I love being in the word church. I say, look at you, Holy Ghost. But you keep mixing it with a little bit of doubt. And so you don't have no results. It takes discipline to have a prayer life. It takes discipline to train your thought pattern not to doubt or even second guess that God is going to do exactly what he said. So it's not Pastor Reggie's fault you ain't built no house. It's not my fault that you don't have the job you want. It's not God's fault that you don't have what you're believing him for. You need to learn how to harness your disbelief. Discipline your doubt. Every time doubt rises, put doubt in its place. If you don't know what to pray, you feel yourself doubting. You at the car dealership, you don't know what the deal is going to go through.
Shay. Come on, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm almost finished. Yeah, that's the sound of somebody that is desperate for God to manifest what they've been believing for. before the Lord Namaste come on sit down since we talking about Hannah I want you to think about her for a minute you might be familiar with her story she was waiting and waiting the Bible says that Hannah you know she had a good life Hannah was given double portions by her husband. He loved that woman. He told her often that she was beautiful. He doted on her and he took care of her. But in the seat of her soul was a sadness and an anguish because she could not do what she was created to do. She couldn't do what Penina could do. I imagine that Penina was making fun. I imagine that Penina was talking about her. I imagine that Penina was at the well discussing with the other women. Yeah, he gets her money. Yeah, he buy her clothes. She got the finest garments, but she can't have no baby. See, the thing about faith is that you apply your faith to things that matter to you. People are looking from on the outside at Lifeline. Like, what he trying to sell the church for? Why he want a bigger church? God already blessing him. They got cameras and cranes. Girl, you been in there lately? You talking about where I've been? And you talking about where I am? But what I see is the vision of where I'm going. Because everywhere my feet can trod, I can have it. So you come on over here to 1231. Or, or what's this address? 13? 1323. I'm at the wrong place. You come on over here. We gonna be gone. Because his vision is so much bigger than this. You still think a million dollars is a lot of money? Where you been? This church is on the market, I believe, for 900000 That is not a lot of money, which means that is not a lot of square footage. Not for the vision we have. So see, the reason that people were judging Hannah and calling her ungrateful, you know, people just, they so ignorant. Even, and ignorant means not knowing. They really don't know. Look at somebody say, they really don't know. You think you know me, but you don't know. Look at me now. The last time I told y'all to look at me, I had on a drawstring ponytail, and I had been wearing them ponytails with that black tie for about 12 years. But I want you to know it's been a steady year that I can do my hair with whatever kind of weave I want to for the last 12 months. Because Pastor London said we go up, up, up. Don't y'all get me started in here. Come on, sit down. We talking about Hannah. We're talking about how shamed she is. We're talking about how embarrassed every time she's intimate with her husband. It produces nothing. Can you imagine you're in the middle of the most intimate act that you can offer another human being to create life. But every time you get up and you watch the calendar and there is a TikTok in your spirit, nothing happens. (laughs) 
Hannah was desperate, so she went to the church. Somebody say she went to the church. She had faith. She believed that God could give her a baby, but she had to work, 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 work. And what she did is she went to the temple. And when you read about it, let, let me see. Hannah is in First Samuel. You could go and read chapters 1 and 2. But in verse 10, it says she was in a deep anguish prayer. You ain't heard nobody pray until their heart is broken. You know what I mean, Sister Sheila? They see you smiling. They see how you walk on them tall hills, but they have no idea. And the reality is, it's really not any of their business. But if they knew just a little bit, they'd be baffled about how you be standing up and serving and how you make a house with five girls run. You know, they, would, they, they just couldn't even handle your real testimony. And so here's Hannah at the temple bent down and she's praying and her mouth is moving imagine this but there is no sound coming out that's when you know you have been you know beat down by life that's when you know you in a hard place because you can't even muster up the strength to make noise so Eli the priest comes and he says daughter are you drunk now you know if you was praying and praising God for real in here and the leader of the house walked up and asked you, are you okay? Are you drunk? You will come so far out of the spirit and be so offended immediately. It wouldn't even be funny. But then what that means to us is that you're not desperate enough because when you're desperate enough, I imagine that regardless of what Eli says, she kept her posture in prayer because her faith had been activated. And as a result, she had a child. Now, let me give you this principle about prayer. Because sometimes when people are in situations and you're looking from the outside, you imagine that it's a simple fix. You ever just thought to yourself, it really don't take all that. Can't she just do this and do that and it just be, you know, girl, it ain't that hard. And for real, you be wanting to smack them in their mouth. Like, why are you talking to me? You can't fathom right now. I need you to just hush. Just be quiet. So there's a story in, in 2 Samuel 21. Y'all know I love my ladies in the Bible and I love Rispa. Rispa is one of my favorites. But before you get to Rispa, let's go there. Let's go to 2 Samuel. I got a few more minutes. Let me share one or two more stories and then I'm going to sit down. I just need you to understand that maybe your faith isn't working because you're not disciplined in prayer. Maybe your, your, your faith project has not come to fruition because you just keep standing in front of God. And, and the thing about it is God gives us gifts, right? We some spoiled kids. You got the gift of salvation. He gave his only son. When you come to the altar like some of you all are going to do today, because I agree that this, this, this message is hitting your spirit so until you understand that you need to be aligned with God so that he can hear you when you communicate with him. So you're going to come up here today and you're going to get that thing right. And some of you all have been living any kind of way and you know the truth. But today you're going to get it right. And when you come to the altar, what's going to happen is your faith, the measure of faith that God is going to supply you with must be activated at that time. Because in order to be saved, you must, thank you, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and then accept him as your savior, right? But what do we do? Pastor stands up here and he says, no matter what you've come from, we all pray 
prayed the same prayer. So even at the moment that you receive God as your personal savior, you still have to activate faith and pray. How else does he know you want him to be Lord unless you open up your mouth and receive the gift? All right. You got the gift, the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. You got the gift of prophecy. You got the gift of being able to lay on hands and interpret and speak in tongues and the gift and the gift and the gift. And you've gotten so arrogant and entitled until you think you could just come stand in front of God and things will happen just like that. No, just like that is for the people who got a prayer life. That's why just like that was birthed on a Saturday in prayer. He was like, just like that, just like that. You don't understand that it was your 20 that made that possible. The people at home heard about just like that, but it wasn't the same. You had to be in the just like that atmosphere. Okay, where we going? I lost some spot. Second, second Samuel. We're going to go to 21 and I want to go to verse one. I can't. Okay, Holy Ghost, help me. Blood of Jesus. Is it on the screen? It says, Then there was a famine in the days of David three years. Somebody say three years. years. Year after year. So they had to define it for you. The scripture is very specific. It helps you understand that this was a famine in a dry time in this dry place with no breaks. Somebody say, "No no gaps. So that means it wasn't a famine. They took off a year. A famine. They took off a year. No. There was one year after year. And David, what? Inquired. What does inquire with the E mean? He prayed. And the Lord answered. Is that a period? So he prayed, period. And the Lord answered. Say, I pray. I pray. Period. And the Lord answers. It is for Saul and for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites. Sometimes you look at situations in your life and you think you can just undo them. You think you can fast or you think you can do a denial from 6 a.m. when you get up until noon and something's going to happen. But the importance of having a prayer life is that David understood because he was a man of God and he discerned God that this famine was a result of something. Sometimes you can't apply your faith until you know the full situation. He could have, you know, created something, done something because he's seasoned like that in the things of God. But wisdom said, go pray and ask God what's going on. Do you do that or do you just respond? I'm just asking. So what he found out when he prayed is that Saul, King Saul, killed some Gibeonites. And because of the covenant of God and things that had been set in place prior to this murder and this massacre, uh, uh, God responded with famine. I need you to understand, and this is a whole other message, but I want you to know that decisions that you make don't just affect you. This man has so much authority and power as king that the decisions he made didn't just affect him and his family. It affected the entire region that he was over. That's another message. So when you're making decisions, I need you to have in mind that faith requires action. You need a prayer life. I don't care what it is. He said, acknowledge me in all of your ways. Acknowledge in that scripture mean pray 
and ask me and I'm going to tell you what to do. So because this happened, um, the wisdom of the Lord came to David and David went to the king of the Gibeonites. Say wisdom. And when he got to the king of the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites say, I don't want his money. I don't want no silver and I don't want his gold. I don't want anything he could possibly answer me. What I want is seven men out of his kingdom so I can hang them for the deaths of my men and my people. Now imagine you asking God for something. You're believing God for something. You try to come and sow a sacrificial seed. The church is going to receive your gold and your silver. But that don't mean nothing going to happen. Because because you didn't pray like David, you don't even know that it's not about money on this one. What did Jesus say back over in Matthew 17? He said, the reason why is because you didn't believe and what you didn't know because you didn't ask me is that this kind comes out by fasting and prayer. You're putting the wrong stuff on your situation. That's why you can't get a result. Oh. Do you understand? You buying your wife flowers. She don't want your flowers. She wants your time. You're cooking him meals. He's not hungry. He drinks smoothies. He wants you to be quiet sometimes. You putting the wrong stuff on the situation. You're not giving what is required. I used to be the kind of person that put a, a frozen pizza in the oven. It seemed like you spit more and more when you, when you preach. You just spit. And I know when you sit in the front, because I sit in the front, you can see all the spit. I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> I normally don't just go around spitting in the church. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to make a point. But I, I would cook a frozen pizza. And one day I was over at my friend's house, and I took the pizza out of the wrapper, and I stuck it in the oven, and she hit. What are you doing? And I'm like, calm down. I'm about to cook the pizza. And so she looked at me. She said, take that pizza out of that. And what I didn't understand is what was required for a properly cooked frozen pizza. Because what happens is the instructions on the box say you need to preheat the oven at 450. So you be throwing it in that froze like I used to do. I don't do that no more. And your crust be burnt up. And your pizza be froze in the middle. But the people who made the pizza got the little preservatives. They understand that when they pressure packed it in the little, you know, the little plastic. That the only way you were going to get a pizza worth eating is that you needed to preheat the oven. Because when you preheat the oven first, this works with women too, men, huh? For the married life. That's just for married life. You wonder why she ain't giving you the results you want? Preheat the oven! Okay, that was free. That is free. Come over. Sit, sit down, sit down, sit down. Woo! Hey Amen. That's married life. I'm at the wrong service, Pastor Clyde. And so, when you follow the instructions and you preheat the oven, and the oven deems to tell you that it's at 450 degrees, and you slide that pizza in there, what I realize is that, hey, what I realize is that it don't even take that long to cook. And it 
good. We still talking about faith that requires action. Faith that requires action. Bring your money in. Faith that requires action. Y'all know I have fun every time I get up here. Is this helping anybody? Does anybody want to see results from their measure of faith? Coming in here with that long face. Pick your faith up. Pick your face up. Why so downcast? Oh my soul. 